Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. If you're alive and awake, let it be known by an amen. That works. So, good morning. Uh, we are grateful to be here today. We have uh, done a couple little things to make it even more uh, in, uh, easier, uh, compatible to uh, have our out our drive-in service. The carport, uh, we are cleaning it up, but we have a place for shade. If you so desire, you can bring a chair, sit under there. There's some water. By the way, if anybody needs water, flag somebody down. They'll be glad to get you one. Somebody. But, uh, and I noticed at the back that we have, what's in the bag, Dan? Cucumbers? I don't know. Some kind of vegetables in the bag. So, uh, but we are grateful to be here today. I will also be putting um, the paper that we read last week about a Christian's view on life and atheist view on life back there at the table as well. If you want one of them, you're free to get them. If not, flag somebody down if you want, and we'll bring it to you. But, um, Remember that even though all these other little things are going on, we come here on purpose, right? We want to get our minds, our hearts fixed on our God. Let him be God and we'll be his people and just watch what happens. Just watch what he can do with the life. So Andrew and the praise team will lead us in worship this morning. And then we'll be opening our Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Andrew. All right, good morning. We're going to start by seeing how marvelous... And what we've done is we started this week. We have, if you go to crosspointbc.com, our church website, right at the top of the page, you'll see Sunday song lyrics. And we're attempting to put the song lyrics on there each week to help you guys be able to sing along with us. So this morning we'll sing How Marvelous.
shake before him the demons run and flee at the mention of the name king of majesty there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the Father, thank you for being the great I am this morning. Lord, we as your children, we want to celebrate you for who you are, who you've always been, the self-existing one, God. And Lord, the fact that you would love us, your creation, who turned our backs on you and rejected you and would love and die for us. God, that is beyond marvelous. And Lord, we will forever be grateful to you for what you did for us. Be with Pastor Scott as he brings your word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. That's an amen. As we meet together today, we uh, always want to proclaim his word. We learn from his word and at the same time, adjust our lives. I think that is the point, the part that we forget that as believers, we're not just to come, listen, and put in our time and then kind of check out and uh, move on with life. The point of the word, the point of the Bible is that it is it is life to our souls. Christ is life and he wants to live each and every day. So we must, as believers, adjust our lives according to his word. If not, listen, you're just coming here filling time filling a space of time going home thinking that you've done something good for God when uh, there's not enough we can do for him anyways to get in good merits. We come to gather, to learn, to be encouraged, to encourage, but ultimately to get into his word. Why? Because it's the perfect word that accomplishes all of those goals. So last week we started uh, a topic um, and we'll finish it today about our world right now in 2020, not knowing what tomorrow will bring or the next year or, or all kinds of uh, events that could happen, will happen, that uh, if the Lord tarry, we may not even be here in a year from now. I don't know. I don't know those things. But when we look at the world we live in, we can be left with um, a, a lot of opinion opinions. We can uh, be left with um, demographics of people that 
the uh, culture, media, or we have put people in demographics, perhaps, and we hear things and say things and, and we want to make a difference or, or you want to at least reason and have dialogue with people. Why? Because the people I'm talking about are personal to you. They're most likely in your family, right? These are people that you love. And it's heartbreaking to see, one, that you're not even able to have a dialogue with. But what we forget, as much as we look at our position and look at people and go, isn't that a shame? We can't even have a dialogue. You may be the one stopping the dialogue. Hello? So as we look at our world right now, uh, regardless of our age, regardless of our demographics and all that, uh, we examine the Bible on how they took the gospel message. They took the message of Jesus Christ to who? In the book of Mark, it says to all creatures, to all people. There's no skin color. There's no dialect. There's no social status. There's nothing that hinders the gospel message that, that, that our culture puts on each other or we put on ourselves. So uh, we looked at how Peter of the Bible, who was entrusted with the gospel message. If you're a believer today, you've been entrusted with the good news of the gospel. You've been entrusted with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no hope apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we looked at how Peter, in Acts chapter 2 is where we looked last week, and how that Peter took this message to a certain group of people. I don't know that he took it to them as much as those were the people in front of him. And then today we're going to look at how Paul took this message. Now, he would go to certain areas, took this message to a certain people group, and uh, what he did with that message. But And you may think, well, that's Bible stuff. How's that all work today? Listen, if the Bible and your life don't intersect, there's a big, big problem. They very much intersect if you will allow God's word. It's not a word, ancient words for an ancient time. It's ancient words that are alive and well today for today, for right now in 2020. So if uh, on the orange paper that I read last week, I want to uh, really put this out to somebody who may be watching on Facebook Live or maybe here, but I think uh, this more would be uh, applicable to someone who's not in, in our audience today. And it's called an atheist's view on life. I want to speak directly to the camera for a moment here. If you are an atheist, if you're questioning God, or even if you're dug in and ready to fight about it, know this, that as a believer, we don't hate you. We don't hate you. We don't hate uh, you as a person. In fact, quite the opposite, we want to love on each other. We at bare minimum need to be able to have a dialogue if we can make that happen. So if in, as we look at atheists, you may think, well, there wasn't many of those back in Bible stuff. I mean, the Bible had people, every, had, everybody had perfect lives. I would challenge you to take this here Bible and find a perfect life, life except for Jesus the Christ. There's not a perfect life in the Bible except for our Savior. In fact, you're going to see quite the opposite, that they were a hot mess. How many of you can identify with lives that are a hot mess? Yeah, we need air horns on that one, right? We are a hot mess. And that's what you see in the Bible. It's a real book. But I want to read this. This is an atheist view on life, okay? Now, I read this last week, and then when I'm done, I'm going to read it from the bottom up 
because it's the Christian's view on life, the believer's worldview, or what it can be or what it should be. So as I read, um, again, I have copies of these. I moved them up here by the the giving box. So um, they're right here behind Alex's car. So it, but it reads like this, an atheist's view on life. I will live my life according to these beliefs. God does not exist. It is just foolish to think that there is a God with a cosmic plan, an all-powerful God brings redemption and healing to pain and suffering in the world. Is it a comfort thought? It is a comfort thought. However, it is only wishful thinking. People can do as they please without eternal consequence. The idea that I am deserving of hell because of sin is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. The more you have, the happier you will be. Our existence has no grand meaning or purpose in a world without God. There is freedom to be who I want to be, but with God, everything is fine. But with God, everything is fine. It is ridiculous to think I am lost and in need of saving. Okay? So when you read that, there is humanistic thinking creeps in there that says it's all good. We're, we're only getting better. We don't see that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, the Bible tells you the, the opposite of that. It talks about the depravity man. But we can take these very same words. This is the introduction from last week that I'm repeating today. The very same words that I just read as a viewpoint, now hear these words from a believer's viewpoint. Very same words, different order. It reads, I am lost and need a saving. It is ridiculous to think everything is fine. But with God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. In a world without God, our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. The more you have, the happier you will be is a lie meant to make, you, make me a slave to those in power. Because of sin, I am deserving of hell. The, I, the idea that people can do as they please without eternal consequences is only wishful thinking. It is a comforting thought, however, and that an all-purpose God brings redemption and healing to the pain and suffering in the world. That there is a God with a cosmic plan is just a foolish, it is just foolish to think God does not exist. I will live my life according to these beliefs. Exact same words, different order. Exact same words, different outlook, different mindset. So Ken Ham is, many of you know that name, uh, Answers in Genesis, the Ark Encounter as well. Uh, he is oversees those uh, endeavors. The material I shared with you last week and today, Acts chapter 2, Acts 17, that's where we'll be at here in just a moment, is compiled in this book called Gospel Reset. It is very informative. It's a great book. I encourage you and challenge you to get a copy. If you, if you want to borrow mine, that's fine. Pastor Rick, uh, I think, has a copy as well. We are not people that like to push books as much as we like to understand the importance of the Bible, but... What is unique about this book is that what looked like uh, was ancient and applied years ago is extremely applicable today. So in Acts chapter 17 is where you can turn. And again, as we think about Peter's sermon from last week, we saw that uh, Peter was in a position to speak to a certain group of people. Who were they? They were Israel, right? They were, they were uh, which, by the way, 
he was one. He's speaking from his own experience, and he can identify with them, and they could say he at least understands where we're coming from and who we are. So he knew his audience. And in this, uh, we read uh, chapter 2, 14 through 36. It was a, a message that he gave. He knew his audience. He knew where to start. They knew a lot of the Old Testament terminology, okay? But I want us today to look at Paul's sermon. Now, they've both been entrusted with the gospel message. You've been entrusted with the gospel message. Is, it, is God calling everybody to be a preacher? No, he's not calling everybody to full-time ministry, but he does call you to a life that's separated. He does call you to a life that is to live these things out. Acts chapter 17, verse 22 is where we'll pick up. Uh, Paul is addressing a group of people in a place called Areopagus. And uh, he, it, verse 22 starts and says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, I proclaim to you that God, who made the worlds and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he need anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Verse 26, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth that has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as also from our own, from your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Verse 29, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man who he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Verse 32, and when he had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So as we read that, you just, you just heard two messages that you would think, if you think about last week of Acts 2 and today of Acts 17, that, that sound pretty much different. You may think, well, there's a difference there, but yet there's a commonality. So think about this. Again, how does this apply today? We're thinking about when we look on our news feed, how that we can see certain people that have their heels dug in. You may look at certain people that you can't even have a dialogue with. You may be a person that is a closed-minded because they're just not going to listen anyways. See, it's not always about them. Sometimes it's about me. These men were addressing people from this mindset, okay? Who was Peter addressing? Guys that had their heels 
dug in. They were dug into tradition. All the traditions weren't even that bad. But they were dug in. The tradition became more important than the word. And then now you have Peter here. Who is Peter talking to? A group of, of people who's in the audience. Greeks. He says in verse 22, men of Athens. They were in an open-aired place. The men of Athens were free thinkers. Pantheism and atheism uh, were the philosophies of the day. And yet in all that humanistic thinking, all of the thinking that, of the philosophies that brings us to the center of ourselves is how it would go. Verse 22 says, in all that, Paul stood in the midst of them and he perceived that they were very religious. Very religious. Did you catch that? In all their free thinking, they found out that they were still seeking and pursuing. I love Paul's approach on this. They had fear of the other gods. The Epicureans of that day, look in verse 18. It says, then certain Epicureans and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some say, what does this babbler want to say? They were already looking at Paul with a haughty position with a haughty attitude and a spirit. What does this guy, this babbler, want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. In other words, he's not talking about all the other things that we're talking about, all the other gods that we're referring to, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. How many of you know that today the message of Jesus and the resurrection sounds like a foreign god to our culture? It sounds foreign when maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you grew up in a Christian school. You heard it bunches of times, yet there's people that have barely heard it, and if so, they have a bad uh, a connotation with them as well. But if you look, the Epicureans of our modern day is our modern day atheist, humanistic thinking. The Stoics are our modern day supernaturalists. So you have both extreme ends of the spectrum exactly the opposite of Peter's crowd, okay? Who am I talking to today? We're talking to parents and grandparents today that are looking at their children and grandchildren and going, why aren't we talking? Why aren't you listening when I'm speaking? We, who am I talking to today? Kids, children, and grandchildren that are looking at their parents and grandparents and going, why won't you listen to what I'm saying? It could be because we're both talking at the same time. These are healthy conversations that we need to have. Meet on that middle road of respect and dialogue. But verse 18, they call him. It's, so Peter's crowd and, and, and Paul's crowd, they, uh, uh, they preach the same message, but to two totally different people. Verse 18, they called him a babbler. He, that means that he had no wisdom, no ideas, no credibility. What did Peter have? He had wisdom because he knew the Old Testament. He had credibility. Why? Because he was one of them by nationality, right? So even their, how they approached it, the respect factor was different. Paul wasn't one of them. Peter was. Hey, keep your finger there in Acts. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, and we'll look at verse 23. This verse used to be over our doorway going into our sanctuary for a bunch of, a bunch of years there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul wrote this as well. He says, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block to the Greeks, foolishness. Is that not exactly what just happened in Acts chapter 2? 
Peter's telling them about Christ and him crucified. And, and they're looking at him and going, we can't get there. That's not right. That's not true. According to our tradition, according to our tradition of the Old Testament, Christ is not, that's not how it was supposed to happen. The Messiah is not supposed to happen that way. It was a, he was a stumbling block. But then to Peter, what are they saying? They called him a babbler. You're foolish. You're foolish. Listen, it's no joke that many people look at believers today and just, that, that's good for you. That's cute. That's good. That makes you feel good. That makes you feel better. You go for that fairy tale. Okay? Right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 123 is what we see proclaimed being lived out in Acts chapter 2 and then chapter 17. But many Greeks held an evolutionary-based culture. You may think, well, that can't be because Darwin didn't step on. He wasn't there then, right? But what they did believe in was naturalism, right? Others held to polytheism. They were what in verse 22? Very religious. Just becomes you come to Cross Point Baptist Church today in the parking lot. You got your radios on. I'm proclaiming, and you're here. Doesn't mean you're a believer, but it could put you in the very religious category. Listen, has it not been our mantra here? We're not worried about religion. We're more concerned about your relationship. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's your walk with him that's more important than your religion. Okay? I got one honk. I need a couple more on that one. They had little to no understanding of biblical truth or terms like God, like uh, sin. All the words that Peter's crowd would have heard and been familiar with, they would have had no idea what was going on in Paul's crowd. Why was the message foolish to them? That is why the message was foolish to them. So what are we discovering? That both groups had a worldview. You have a worldview whether you know it or not. It's the day you were born and, and the, your, your parents and, and culture shapes the way you see life, the way you see the world. Paul didn't start. Paul did start with their worship to the unknown God. Look in verse 23. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, they had a lot of objects to worship. We need to be careful here too, because even as Christians today, genuine believers, we can find ourselves more enthralled with the objects of God than God himself, our building. We are blessed to have this building that we're not meeting in. But uh, we are blessed to have these things. And you may pull down here and go, oh, look how beautiful it is. The grass is cut. The sun, it, this is a beautiful place. Be careful because this could be gone tomorrow, but we're still a church. Be careful that you don't worship items. Uh, you may wear a certain artifact, a cross, and, and see these certain things. Or, or you may end up worshiping your Bible, watch this, more than our Savior. Okay? So you be very, very uh, cautious on the object of your worship. It needs to be Christ and Christ alone. He will lead you to the Father. His words will lead you there as well. They had these objects. And he says, as I considered the objects of your worship. Now, that's a heavy line right there. He considered the object. Now, the word worship there is what's heavy. They were idolizing, putting first above everything else, these objects, the creation more than the creator. 
He wanted to introduce them to what they didn't know. Here's what you don't know. So as here's the solution uh, to our problem and to the, the issue that both of these men were facing. It's this, that our current Western culture went from being Israel of Acts chapter 2 to the Greeks of Acts chapter 17. Let me shake that tree again. Our culture, 2020, we went from being Acts chapter 2. I can go back 100 years ago in America, and we had a stronger foundation of biblical terminology, uh, values that were morality that was Bible-based. In 2020, we look at our culture, we become a culture of Acts 17. Do you see it there? Do you, do you see what, we're, what the, the reference here? That in Acts 17, what is our world? It's full of philosophers, free thinkers, naturalists, supernaturalists, stoic. Are you with me on? Do you, do you see it? It's important that you see that because now that we see our, how we can identify, let's get to the solution. Let me give you an example. How many of you grew up, think this, you don't have to honk your horns or anything, but how many of you grew up and you heard the terms like Bible, God? Jesus Christ. You heard it in your house, or maybe you went to church uh, once or twice a week, or you went to Christian school. So in your mind's eye, how many of you heard those terms? Now, I'm talking about growing up. Now, I'm go, go way back in some of your memories, okay? But how many of you also grew up from childhood to adulthood, and you never heard those terms like God, Bible, Jesus and you, they're, they're so foreign to you, you don't know how to, how, what to do with them, right? And what happens a lot of times when something is foreign to us, you know what we tend to do? Ignore it. We want to stick to our strengths, not our weaknesses of what we don't know. It may be generational. It may be a, uh, a house you grew up in that was full of prayer and, and spending time talking about these things, and, but you also may be here and be in a position to where I've never even seen somebody pray or I've seen it. And, and now I don't, I just, now I'm, I don't understand it. And you found your way in this trial that we're going through hardship that we're going through going, God, there must be something bigger going on in my life, in this world. There's something bigger than me going on. There's something bigger than everything going on in this world. And you want to be a part of it. That's a first step of being a of wanting to know God. That's speaking to the idol to the unknown God. So here we go. How do we reach this type of thinking? Well, we do what Paul did in Acts 17. We Peter touched on it. ABC always been a creator. Look at what he does. Look in verse 24, Acts 17, verse 24. He says, God who made the world and everything in it, comma. Man, let's just pause right there. Isn't that a great position to start? You may think, well, no, they have to believe that God created in seven, six literal days, and, um, and, and, and they have to believe that way. Let's just start with this. Can we meet people at this point? To understand that God who made the world and everything in it, and this kind of stopped there for a minute. You may be talking to a family or loved one or one of your grandchildren, and they're going, I just don't know if I believe in creation. Don't freak out. Don't freak out on them. Have the dialogue. Have the conversation. See if they really want to learn and know. 
Do you really want the truth or do you want to win an argument? What do you want? If you really love your, the people that you were, we're talking about here, you're going to be patient and spend the time. You're going to do the work. You're going to be in prayer. And he says, God who made the world and everything in it. Listen, he made a very bold statement in verse 24 to a bunch of people, the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers. That was a little bit offensive to them. It would have been a lot offensive to them. Why? Because they don't want something bigger than themselves because philosophy teaches us that it's all right. The answers are all within. Follow your heart is, is a mantra that we will hear. The problem with following your heart is that it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the Bible says that the devil has blinded the eyes. So he's speaking. He says that word, the God who made the world and everything in it. Man, that's heavy. He doesn't, God doesn't need things. He provides things. Look in verse 25. He says, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Oh, I love that. God is a giver. Did you know that? People think God's a taker. He wants to take my joy. He wants to take my fun. He wants to take anything good and make it hard. God is a giver of life. But just take a, some time and think about the earth that we walk on. It's so alive. It's powerful. There's something way beyond us that designed this thing called life, whether it's in plant life, marine life, creation, animals, the atmosphere, volcano, vol volcanic thing. These, our earth is alive. In verse 25, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he's needed anything since he gives to life breath and all things. Isn't that a great place to get people to start thinking that this earth is alive? It didn't just happen by happenstance, but it gives them a starting point. And then he says in verse 26, and he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwelling. So in verse 26, he's saying one blood, one race, and this insults who? The Greeks that he was talking to, the audience. Why? I should say the free thinkers is who it would be offensive to. That was the place where they went to free think. Verse 27, look at what he says. He says that so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might find, they might grope for him and find him. It's like a, a spiritual game of hide and seek there, though he is not far from each one of us. God's general revelation of himself as creator and sustainer of life. God has revealed himself to us as we look out into the wilderness today, as we look out and, and wake up today and realize what side of the dirt we're on. He's revealing himself. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? The world, it leaves mankind without an excuse. By the way, there's more in verse 29 and verse 30 as well that we need to really consider as we think about how big and powerful this earth is and slash our God is. Here's the real exciting part of, of what we can do with all this information. Paul was right. Paul was giving them the right starting point. The right starting point. You know what his starting point was first? That he cared. It was that he cared. It, it's not that I'm up here to win an argument and debate. 
He was up there with truth. You know what truth does? Yes, it hurts, but truth cares. There's another part of truth that really doesn't care about your feelings either. The truth is just the truth. Man, that was a battle for the truth is what they had from the beginning of time. Remember um, uh, when Jesus was before uh, Caesar, I think, uh, who was he before? I'm having a brain block here. But the word truth came up and the leader said, what is truth? The leader, the government leader didn't even have a grasp on what truth was. And that's going way back in the time when Christ was being crucified. So if there was a battle for it then, how much more do you think the battle has grown to today? What is truth? Can you know truth? Would be another mantra sometimes that gets shared. Well, Paul there was giving them the right starting point to get them on the right road to understand the message of the cross. So whatever you do today, or, or I should say whatever position you find yourself in today. You may be in a position of I'm, I'm arguing with people, and they just want to argue, argue. And maybe I'm more being more argumentative than I should be. Start with that love point. You, I, I, let's have a dialogue because I love you. Or if you're being pushed around, pushed around to where you have to draw a line in the sand and go, here is what the truth is. Here is what the Bible says that we need to understand and believe. See, so we're covering a lot of ground here for us all. He was giving them the right starting point. Because if there's no creator, there's no sin, no savior, therefore, at the ultimately, no hope. So the purpose today is to give hope to the believer that is struggling to have compassion to a world that claims it doesn't want Christianity. How do we have that compassion? That's my family, and that's your family. At one point, that was you, and that was me. You know, I was thinking about an illustration for this, and I thought about this. There was a time when you may look at somebody, the way they dressed, and uh, the reference I'm going to use is this. You may look at somebody that had a sweet-looking mullet, collar popped, little jean tucked in, middle of the 80s, and you're looking at him going, I can't talk. I can't get through to this, this guy. I cannot get through to him. But then if you were to see it from that guy with the sweet mullet, collar popped and jeans tucked in a certain way and getting his heart and his mind, you would find out that he was just as lost and confused and as uncertain and searching and was afraid to ask. That's me on both ends. I was that guy with the mullet, collar popped and all that stuff. And now I'm also that guy, that dad that looks and goes, why can't I get through? And the whole time I was looking at myself going, how come nobody's listening? What's the truth? It's right there in the middle. It's right there in the middle. Now, right now, many of you are pitching me with some sweet hair, collar popped, and maybe jeans rolled in. Uh, if you need to see those pictures, I can show them to you. That was, uh, it was, I was happening. So, Kind of erase that picture from your memory for a moment so we can draw application. I don't want you to get stuck there. Because the message is also purposed to anyone listening that is struggling with their understanding with God. I put a plea out every week. Have I not been putting a plea out? If you have questions, please contact me. Please ask. I've said it over and over and over. Finally, I got somebody who, who texted me this week and said, hey, I have some questions. When can we meet? 
Finally, one member of Crosspoint's like, I have some questions. I'm positive there's many more out there that may have questions. But if you are struggling for anyone, uh, you're struggling with your understanding of God. You're struggling with your walk with Jesus Christ. Please pursue him. Do not leave it and let it go. Keep your finger there in Acts 17. Go to Acts chapter 2. Because this is how we conclude. We're going to conclude like Peter concluded. We're going to conclude like Paul concluded. How did they conclude? Peter and Paul's message ended exactly the same. Different audiences, different people, different mindsets. This group would have all had a certain look about them in dress and in in dialect and in skin tone. This other group that Paul was talking to would have been a melting pot of people, most likely. Different people, groups, different worldviews, different skin tone, different dialect. But the message still is the same. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 Look through 39. Look how Peter ends his message. He says, therefore, let all of the house of Israel, now he's speaking to all them people that were there, the Jews, know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's a strong message, and it really wouldn't have applied that well to the people of Peter's, of Paul's audience. Why? Because they were distant from those things. But Israel knew, oh, Israel knew very much and very well. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were ticked. They were offended, right? Then Peter said to them, here's what you do. You repent and every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins because of the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as call on the Lord, our God, our God will call. He put out that plea for them. Now, don't misread that scripture. Don't make it sound like that if you get right with God and, and, and call on Christ, you turn from your sin and call on him, that your family's going to be good to go. That's not what, how that reads. But it is the message, the information that we need. That is strong very strong preaching to the right people at the right time with the right message. Now, go to Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, verse 30. Look at what Paul does with this group of people, this diverse group of people that he's in front of. Verse 30 of chapter 17. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. Now, don't be offended that he's not calling them ignorance. He's saying you didn't have the, the information you needed. Now, these times of lack of information, God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. All men everywhere, not just certain people groups, but all men and everywhere. That covers a wide, wide group right there, a wide, wide area as well. Verse 30, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in the righteousness by the man by the man whom he has ordained he has <clears throat> given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead not only did christ come to pave the way to love us to woo us to him but he's also coming in judgment he paid for the judgment of sin 
He's letting them know that all of this that you got going on is paid for. You're going to either going to stand for it or it's going to be covered. That's what Paul's letting them know. That, there's where the truth is very loving. Verse 32, and when they had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Okay, so uh, what did Paul do with that message? It ended the exact same way, pointing others to Jesus Christ. I share this because as we look in our world, we look in our families, you can be lost. You can be discouraged. You can say, well, let's just circle the wagons and we'll just do our thing right here in our little circle and that'll be that. Yeah, there's times when we do need to come together. But if I understand the Bible right, our command is to reach out, to be loving, to love, right, and share and live out that gospel message. I know it can be challenging and hard, especially when you get confronted. But I've also found this, that you don't know what you can do until you're in a position to do it. I love those moments in life. So as we take this today and we wrap our hearts and minds around the words and works of Jesus Christ, be reminded that he's also empowered you today, okay? We're going to have a word of prayer in a moment, and now my specific prayer is for you. It's for you. And in my prayer, I'm going to pray for you as you take this message to your families and beyond, okay? Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank you again for allowing us to meet the way that we have as we come together. We are in bad, bad need of your guidance. We're in bad need of motivation. Lord, we sometimes get lazy, spiritually speaking and physically speaking, emotionally speaking. We get lazy. We get routine and we can become Life can become very mundane, but when we view life through the lens of your word, it is anything but mundane. There's not time to be lazy. It's not time for that because you've given us that you energize us. You empower us to fulfill the commands that you've laid before us. So you be the God of Cross Point Baptist Church and will be your people. And I lift this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are um, grateful again to be able to do these things. Pastor Rick is not here. He is in uh, Kelly's Island, actually. But he did do uh, Bible Quest Live this morning from on location, which um, this Wednesday night I may be doing um, our, our Wednesday night uh, family night on location as well, secret destination. I won't, won't let that out of the bag. So, but be plugging in on Wednesday night. You will be pleasantly shocked, I think, to find out that God's word works more than just on Sunday. It really does. It works every day of the week. So as you pursue him, uh, remember, he speaks to us through his word. We speak to him through prayer. Um, school starts for West Claremont in one week, one week and one day. Uh, some of you have already started uh, being prayer for each other. And I want to remind you one last thought before we're dismissed here. As you know, the Bible commands us to be in prayer for our government authorities. Paul tells us directly, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to be praying for those who are in charge and making those, these decisions. 
Uh, it's easy to look at our leaders and look at it and say their decisions are silly and not thought through and, and all those things. But when you're in a position of leadership, uh, you don't know until you've walked a mile in those shoes sometimes what it's like. So I encourage you to be praying for our leaders, not criticizing. Um, we don't see the criticism as a command in the Scripture. We do see the prayer. All right, church, love on each other. You are dismissed.